Welcome to the Talk of the T-Town podcast, where we discuss all things track cycling. Broadcasting from the Valley Preferred Cycling Center, I'm your host and executive director, Joan Hanscom, along with my co-host, athletic director, Andy Lakatosh. Welcome to the Talk of the T-Town podcast. I'm Joan Hanscom, Executive Director, joined by my co-host, Andy Lakatosh. And we are speaking today with John Spies joining us from Switzerland and Bridget Mielsen joining us from Milton Keys in the UK. Uh, and we're very excited to have them on the pod today. Uh, it's a bit of a different conversation uh, and it's, it's one I hope you guys enjoy. We're gonna talk about the pathway uh, to becoming an Olympian that runs through T-Town when perhaps you're not from a robust, rich federation like British Cycling or or Cycling Australia or New Zealand uh, and what that struggle is like and and how you go about setting yourself on a pathway uh, to Olympic dreams when it's uh, really a challenge to to fund the plan. And I'm really excited to roll into this with with two of them and, and hear about their team how they work together, um, their backgrounds, and uh, and really dig into the the love of the bicycle that's required to, to follow this path. And so, welcome to you both. Um, let's let's just jump right in, and we'll start with you, Bridget. Tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners who may not know you super well. Um, hi, guys. Thanks very much for having us. Um, it's great to be able to chat with you especially after the enjoying T-Town for the last couple of times that we have been there. Um, so my background has actually come from hockey and cycling, um, hockey and swimming. And I moved into working at cycling through doing sports therapy. So I'm actually a sports therapist by trade. Um, but I've studied uh, cycling management and sports management and athlete management. And that's sort of where we, we Jean and I ended up working together. Um, I fixed his shoulder um, and <laughs> treatments, and we got chatting about what he wanted to do, and it sort of went from there. Uh, so that's sort of a brief background for me. Um, but I haven't been in track cycling for long. I used to be more in road and mountain bike, and then sort of jumped in the deep end when John asked me to join him at 2016 World Championships. <laughs> that's a right, nothing like jumping in right into the deep end, right? <laughs> Very much into the deep end. 2016 was very, was very educational. <laughs> I have no doubt. And uh, John, tell us about you and tell us about how you've gotten here today on this podcast uh, with us here in T-Town. What's the path? Hey, Joan and Andy. I guess the love for bicycles kind of got me got me to this point. Um, we, we ended up going to T-Town 2017 and just fell in love with the place. Um, we've gone back every year since, unfortunately, obviously last year was a bit of a, a nightmare. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, just fell in love with, with T-Town and the environment and, and the, the whole family community of what T-Town represents, um, for us as a, as a sport and as a community, a cycling community as a whole. Um, I think that's, that's been the biggest factor for us. You know, you, you get to, you get to May just before you leave June and it kind of all that excitement builds, um, and it's more just the whole the whole package, you know. Yes, racing is fabulous, and um, international racing is is top level there. But just the whole thing of okay, cool, I'm going to see these people, and we're going to do this, and 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 it's just kind of it's it's a it's the home away from home, which you love every piece 
Take a step back for us, though, because Bridget just talked about 2016 and jumping in the deep end. Um, And I know that you started as an endurance rider and have uh, been making a transition into more sprint type disciplines and uh, the kilo and some some other of the sprinting type disciplines. So tell us about your pathway and your development as a as a bike racer and where we find you today as a bike racer. Um, I was kind of one of those where you go a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Uh, I started racing on the BMX at the age of six, then started racing cross country, downhill, uh, went onto the road. And basically a friend of my dad's was throwing away a track bike. And I kind of got my hands on it, um, got my dad to drive me out to the track every Saturday. Um, and basically the love for track cycling grew from there. Um, South African, South African sport or South African cycling in general is is distance-based or endurance-based. You kind of get these weird races. For example, the Munga that runs literally from the one end of the country to the other end of the country, and, uh, or the Absa Cape Epic, which obviously everyone knows as, as the biggest mountain bike race in the world. But yeah, the whole our whole cycling community is based on endurance stuff. So sprinting was never a thing. Um, and for me, I was racing in the, in the on the endurance side of track cycling, and we we went to to world championships 2016 well africa champs actually the week before then had to go home find a little bit more money through crowdfunding and then fly to london um to try and get to to world championships where we didn't quite swim when we got thrown into the deep end we sunk like rocks but uh, no no better way to learn than, than through through fear itself um but yeah i think that was that was the one point where the transition for me from endurance to sprinting really kind of triggered and um, then 2017's Teton, it, it was the big, it was actually the big trigger. Teton itself made made me realize that that, that decision just, just needed to be made and needed to be made quickly. Um, I remember that year we, so I was still racing endurance races and I was racing the, the sprint events, but in the endurance races I could, for example, in a points race, yes, there's, there's 10, 10 sprint opportunities or, or points opportunities and I'm, and I kind of got to a point where I was only contesting two or three sprints and the rest of the race, I was really hanging on for dear life. Um, but then we got to the shorter pro-am racing and I'm going, okay, we can, we can maybe race here. We can maybe do something. Um, jumped into the Kieran events and it was the same principle. Obviously my level was not as good as the international riders there, but I could at least get involved and get stuck in. And to me, that was a point of going, okay, wait, something, something's not right in a sense of endurance. Um, this is definitely the, the path that we need to follow. Um, and yeah, just took it from there. The, the kilo, I'm going to blame the kilo on Bridget because uh, <laughs> nobody, nobody loves the kilo. It, it's, it's, it's a place that you kind of go to see very dark things. But yeah, Bridget always said to me that I'd be a good kilo rider. And then one day I ran like a 106 kilo on, on training bars. I was like, okay, hang on, wait, there's, there's something going on here. Um, and we just it just developed from there to being a kilo specialist. Not that I ever focused solely on it because it's not an Olympic event. Um, but it was, I think, coming from the endurance background, having some sprint legs, it kind of just made made that transition to kilo a lot easier. And then going from there through to the sprint events just made it made it that that extra step. So yeah, just it kind of came full circle through every single discipline. You know, your BMXs are going short and fast. Um, and now going to Brentwood is shortened even faster. So. 
And and I think you you touched on something super interesting that that I think Andy and I find so rewarding about life here at T-Town, which is it's sort of a little bit of a crucible, right? Where you can come in and uh, and really start to to measure yourself consistently, race in, race out against some of the best in the world. And so for some riders, it's uh, you know you get the you get the the you know world champions racing here, but you also get people who are figuring out how to take that next step up in the sport. Um, and it's just that consistency of the opportunity racing here where you get to do just what you just described. Oh, I'm doing all these endurance races. I'm doing these sprint races and I'm sort of starting to see where it all falls out in terms of where my abilities lie and my, my pathway. And I think we see that happen a lot here. So it's kind of cool to hear you say it. It's like, you know, I, I came to the crucible in 2017 and learned a lot about myself as an athlete and, and it's set you on a path, which is super cool to hear. Um, and, uh, and, and we hope that that path is uh, just getting more and more interesting for you as, <laughs> as since 2017, which it sounds like it certainly is. Um, and it was, so it's all your fault, Bridget, that he's on this path. Pretty much. Um, so when Omnium used to still be the six events, um, he used to do really well in the shorter events um and he used to get his he used to be quite highly ranked until sort of the points race um so i just said to him and he would win the key at the kilo um and he would be really highly ranked in the 200 and then i just said to him maybe it's worthwhile investigating actually if those two disciplines would suit him better than the longer distance and so we started playing around a little bit and um yeah it, i think it I still think it does. Um, I wouldn't say he's a pure, pure sprint specialist as in the 200 meter, like pure sprinter, but definitely Kido and Kieran, he's got very, very good, strong points in those. So tell us a little bit more about how your teamwork works. Um, what, what is your, is it just the two of you, your organization, or is it more? Tell us about how this partnership is working um, and how you're on, and on the path you're on together. So basically, we can start it off kind of from from scratch. In 2016, when I had to go to African Champs, um, a week before African Champs, uh, our federation decided to turn around and tell us uh, they're not sending anybody anymore um, because of funding. And kind of Bridget was like, well, let's raise the money. And that's basically where it started. So this, we, we make a joke of it. And it's kind of, this is Team South Africa, the two of us. There's a couple more that that have joined us and that are, are striving for the next level. But yeah, this is this is the team. Um, Bridget takes care of everything, including I'm going to say babysitting me because I'm still a six foot three year old. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just it's it's been challenging because we've had to we've obviously had to raise the funds to to raise ourselves, but we've also had to learn the rules on our own. We've had to obviously learn the hard way with that type of stuff, but. All the little nitty gritty things that you that generally most people would take for granted, um, we've had to go and learn ourselves. Um, I know, so for example, there's a couple of South Africans that, well, one of them have been into T-Town, but uh, there's a couple of South Africans that are now asking for, for help to go and race overseas. And, and they're asking these little questions that I'm going, but the answer is obvious. 
And at the same time, when I was in that situation, the answer wasn't obvious. So it's it's just little things that that you kind of pinpoint and take for granted. I mean, I'm going to use tires as, as a as an example. What type of tires do you use on a concrete trap? What type, what type of tires would you use on the wood? Is two different types, but unless you're actually in this environment, you don't know these things. Um, and Teton is actually one of the perfect places to learn those things because everybody, all the all the international riders are fitting under the big tent and you kind of go, okay, what, what has he got on his bike? And then why? Um, I think the why is always the biggest question with that. But yeah, um, kind of, sorry, gone off tangent yet. Um, this is- uh, Tangents are good. I think Bridge wants to jump in there. I can see it on her face, but uh, oh. yeah, we we take we take it on as a as a team. I do obviously the riding the uh, and the um, the technical side of things where Bridge basically handles everything else. We kind of um, when it sort of all started in 2016 when I sort of pushed him. I'd worked with a um, couple of athletes before that and helped them get a bit of sponsorship and funding and to get them to the Olympics for for Rio and then prior to that for London for 2012. And um, But I will say that my my path in this journey with Jean has been vastly different to those. Um, I was sort of more an outsider with them and just helping out where I could. Whereas with Jean, we sort of took it head on and um, my husband's been incredibly supportive of it as well. And, you know, kind of done a family thing because I've got two boys and they they absolutely love Jean to death. And so they've all behind us on the whole journey and the whole path. And um, basically, yeah, we just, we took it on 2016, decided we would find sponsorship and decided that after 2016 World Championships, we both sat down and went, what are we missing? Like, what happened? Um, I learned a lot. I'll, I'll say it on air. I got my first fine from the UCI. Um, I missed rider confirmation, which if you know, is a very big thing. <laughs> and it's a very big fine. Um, so I had to, I had to deal with that and try not to stress Sean out about the fact that I just received one of the biggest fines at UCI issue. And that was my first track event that I'd ever really been at. Um, I was sitting studying on the plane on the way there. So <laughs> But it was very much one of those where we both sat down and went, what do we do from here? You know, we took one look at the, the competition that was going on and everything that was going on around us. And we were like, we don't match, but what are we going to do to match? Can we do it? Or is it beyond our what we can do? And we both decided that actually it would take us a little bit of a plan and a bit of a process and let's put a plan in place, but we'll do it. And that was sort of part of the process is, um, unfortunately, we wanted to do Teton in 2016, but John had surgery on his shoulder. So it ended up not being a possibility. So we sort of had to push everything back a year and start again in 2017. But 2017, we started the process with Teton and we started doing a bit more international racing. And we just, we had a plan of what we wanted to try and achieve. And from my side, sitting in 2017 in Teton, I sat, we sat in the tent and I started listening to the conversations. So the Dutch were there, I think the Canadians were there, um, and then just having general conversations with the people that were there and trying to find out information. Uh, you know, we're both, we're both open to learning. We're both open to absorbing. If someone wants to give us advice, we'll take it. And if it works for us, we'll definitely use it. Um, so that was sort of our process from that point 
is we wanted to try and do as much international as we could to gain the experience as well as to make the network and the connections because there was also something else we had really identified is that it also is it's such a tight community um, so track cycling itself is is its own is its own family and we were definitely the outsiders at that point and hopefully we're not that anymore but um you know we try and we tried to make as many connections and talk to people and learn stuff and ask questions and i mean i still do it i still ask a lot of questions because joan you'll know and i'm sure more will know as well is that being a female in a male in a male dominated sport it's very different um and especially being management and not a coach so i've i've got can coaches. i jump in there can i jump in there <laughs> Please tell them about the first Kieran in Teton in 2017 as a female. <laughs> so first heat, first Kieran um, of the day, first UCI event of the day. We arrived in Teton the day before. Um, John Clipson and between the two of us, we ended up on the floor. Um, I thought I had him. He didn't. He thought I had him. I obviously didn't have him. And we both went over, but thankfully we were, we were on the side, so we weren't actually on the track. And um, yeah, that was the introduction. And the other male coaches, the, all the guys came running, they were like, oh, can we help you? Do you want us to take him on the track? And I was like, no, I've got to figure this out. I've got to learn this and he's going to trust me and I've got to trust myself holding him, even though he's not very small. He's six foot three, so it's not a small guy, but um, yeah, so from then we sort of have an agreement, John and I, that I will pretty much hold him at every event on on, on the track, um, just because we've already walked this path and we've already I've already dropped him and almost dropped him. <laughs> um, so we we we've crossed that bridge. So we can go on from there. It, it's so funny that you mentioned that though, because we had almost like the identical conversation. It, with a different twist on it with Lynn Monroe when yeah, she yeah. talked about, you know, that particular role that she plays as well. And she talked about being at a world cup and essentially she ended up holding up the whole line, right? She was just like, Oh my God, I've got to hold the whole line. And it was, a, it was a really fun conversation with her. And so it's funny to hear it from you, but, but yes, it's, uh, you know, I've worked in this business now since 2002, so I'm old, um, and uh, sort of uh, fully appreciate what you what you mean about being female management in a very male sport, and um, and also about learning the the sort of the nuance of this very niche, niche, niche discipline, because I started in road cycling. Uh, and, and worked in cyclocross, which are both very, I think, straightforward disciplines, right? There's not a lot of nuance to them, um, at least certainly not in the way that track with, with so many different events. Um, you know, you really have to learn the ropes. And I've been lucky that I've had Andy uh, Lakatosh, who knows more about UCI track racing than I would hazard a guess most people in the u.s know uh to, to be my sort of mentor as well so i i feel like i sort of jumped into the deep end of the pool as well um when i got to t-town i had vast amount of bike racing experience and event experience but very little track experience and so i've been lucky to have andy be my track translator for a while but uh how am i doing andy how am i how am i doing with my track knowledge now <laughs> 
<laughs> you are a you are a incredibly quick study, and and I have to admit, I I think we work so well together because I'm always looking for what's unwritten in the rules and going okay. So if it's not written, I can I can do this right. And you are definitely very much the same. So when I come to you with all my crazy harebrained ideas, I'm like, hey. It doesn't say we can't do this, so I want to do it. You're like, oh yeah, let's definitely go do that. That sounds fantastic, and that makes it a lot of a lot of fun to to work with you and just feel really supported because it is a it is a very complex thing. And you know, lining up a month of World Cup level events was absolutely insane. But we, you know, went for it full send, and I think it went it went really well. And honestly, my you know. 2020 was absolutely nuts, but working with Joan and everything that we had planned and the way that we adapted and moved through everything, really, I couldn't have asked for a better, you know, a better organization to be a part of and a better time to be a part of the organization uh, because I think we did some really great stuff. And it's a bummer what we didn't get to do in 2020, but I can tell you we're just even more excited for what's coming up in 2021 and beyond and yeah, the, our creativity between Joan and I just keeps getting better and better. And it's, it's yeah, I very much enjoy our collaboration in this messy, nitty-gritty world of track cycling and UCI rules. And I, and I hope UCI is not listening <laughs> to, our, <laughs> to our creative programming discussions right now where we do, where Andy and I do. Uh, Andy, Andy knows the rules so well, and I know the rules so not well that we do get to that point of, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> to be fair, it sounds very similar to John and I. John knows all the track cycling rules incredibly well. So if I'm unsure of something, then I can sit and have a chat with him about it. And it, that does, that that definitely has helped. Definitely helped yeah. me a lot. He's, he's got an incredible memory and he does, Andy, he's very similar to you in that if it's not written down, that means it's not, necessarily doesn't have to be followed. <laughs> So we end up in big discussions about it because then I've got to be able to justify it to the officials if anything happens in an event. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so so you, this is a really excellent, uh, I think, point to transition to um, the pathway you were on was focused at 2020. Um, so was ours, right? We, we had great plans for 2020. You obviously had big plans for 2020. They got a little weird. Um, and, uh, so now we're got a path for 2021. Um, what's, what's 2021 looking like for you? How is, how is that road to Tokyo looking for you guys right now? Where are you? What's the, what's the plan? Um, what's, what's happening? I, I live in a cave basically. It's <laughs> the easiest way to explain it. Um, so I, at the beginning of 2020, I was invited to come to the UCI World Cycling Center in Switzerland. Um, so for those that don't know what it is, basically the, the UCI have a have a center for athletes that do not have federations that can look after them. Um, the track program is kind of special here because uh, so most, most of the disciplines that are here are on a development basis. So I'm going to take the road as an example. These riders are developed to send them to pro, pro continental or world tour teams. Um, they're not, they're not here to, for example, win the tour de France. Whereas the track squad that is here right now, every single day training is like 
trying to win world championships. We have a world record holder. We have the second fastest time in the world here. Um, we have a world medalist here. Um, so we, we're six track riders here. Five of us, five of the six have been to T-Town in 2019. Um, four out of the five have been to T-Town the three years prior to that as well. Um, so th this is a really strong squad that that's here. But the reason why I say we live in a cave is I have my little room that is basically a cell, which is, <laughs> I'm going to say like five by five. And then um, we come down, go right down to the center, train there, have lunch, get into the gym, come back and you're in your little cave again. And that's it. So this has been happening since July last year. Um, so there's not much not much outside of cycling for for us. Um, I think for, for the general person or for most people, it would probably drive them absolutely mental. But uh, I, I don't know, I, I quite enjoy this. Uh, I love riding bike as much as I possibly can. So I'll just keep doing it every day. Um, but yeah, from a from our organization perspective, I think things have been a little difficult for Bridge and myself because obviously COVID has uh, has had its problems with with financials and stuff. Um, if we take a look at, for example, our sponsors from 2019, I think we had 12 sponsors that year um, to this year where we have one. Every other company has closed their doors. So wow. it's it has been it has been quite challenging in a sense of of getting funding in, of understanding what what is actually needed. Um, the difficulty which I didn't actually see foresee, um, especially coming to Switzerland, was not being, it's not a case of not being at home. I've never go home or well, haven't been home since 2017 properly, but it's it's more interacting with people from home. Um, just the awareness part of, of what we're doing and what we're trying to do. And it's easier, it's easier to make that awareness possible when there is racing, you can actually send results home or videos or stuff like that. Um, whereas that stuff hasn't been happening. So in that sense, it's just kind of almost as if we've fallen off the planet. Um, I know, We've done really weird things in order to try and just keep fun, keep getting in funding. I mean, um, I'll kind of, I'm going <laughs> to jump in there. But so like, for example, Bridget does deliveries, like a delivery, um, just so that we can keep ticking over with funding in um, for, for racing. Um, I've had to do, I did the deliveries before I came back um, during COVID as well. Um, so it's just, it's created quite, quite a challenging situation for us in that sense and then obviously your plans of so for example equipment and stuff that we need for the games um that's almost all gone out the door as well um if we can find funding for sponsorship or, or sponsorship of equipment and, and stuff like that if if that doesn't happen i'll be racing olympics on a bike that is six years old on the wheels that have been raced for four seasons um stuff like that which it's not it's not ideal for the games but the situation is what the situation is. So we just keep kind of going going with it and taking the punches as we come. And we'll certainly uh, in the show notes uh, provide any links to folks who are listening who might want to chip in with some of your crowdfunding um, or or uh, or support you. We'll definitely include links for our listeners to to say, oh gosh, you know, let's let's help them out. Let's let's uh, Let's throw some dollars that way. Uh, I think you know it's a hot topic everywhere, right? It's a it's certainly a hot topic here in the U.S. of how do we fund development uh, riders, and it's it's not one without controversy. Um, you know, it's it's super um, challenging, even when you come from a, 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 a maybe a bigger federation than what you guys come from. 
uh, even here in the U.S., it's a it's a real challenge. And um, you know, our our federation isn't like you know GB, right? Great Britain has like the lottery helps fund uh, just an incredibly rich budget for for British cycling and. We are not funded by the government, so everything that you know we do is funded by memberships or donations or some USOC funding. And so I, I and and our federation struggles. So I have to imagine when you're coming from an even smaller federation, there's almost zero support coming for you guys to, to chase what you're chasing. If if I'm understanding correctly, like it is really what you can drive for yourself. Yeah, it is. Um, we basically. We basically let the federation know what we're doing, and that's pretty much that's pretty much where it starts and ends. And we need their assistance for things like entries for World Cups or World Champs and that sort of thing. But other than them really providing the entries, we pretty much have to be self-sufficient. Which, as as bad as it sounds, it's also been an incredible thing because we wouldn't necessarily have learned what we've learned without it. Uh, we wouldn't have necessarily made the, the friendships without it. Um, and I think that's that's been as much as it's it's really a challenge. It's also provided us with an opportunity to see what we're made of um, and how badly we want to we want to achieve this. And if I say we, we badly want to achieve this, we do. John sitting in Switzerland, we're unsure of when the funding is going to come in to help him to stay there. So He's just training every day like it's his last, which is a great thing because obviously there's structure in place and you know he's under Craig McLean, which is fantastic. So, so he's a brilliant coach. So he's obviously all the right things in place for him there, but he trains like it's possibly the last time he'll be there. And that's how we do it. And that's sort of how we, we did the racing as well. We raced every event that we could in case we couldn't get to the next one. Um, and that's sort of put John in a really good placing with his rankings and that sort of thing. I mean, we, we actually going away to Egypt this coming weekend. Uh, we've got African championships and as much as it's not the most ideal place to go right now, we have to do it and we have to race it. And in hopes that John does well in that and we get the points, the necessary points we need to keep his ranking, to keep his placing and that sort of thing. So there's, there's also boxes that we have to tick and as much as, um, the Federation not being so supportive in terms of financial has provided us with the structure that we need, that we know works now in order for him to be able to be competitive at which event. Uh, so that sort of helped us sort of plan our, our strategy. <laughs> right on. Yeah, and, and you definitely live in a world now where it's like you make one plan and then it changes and you make another plan and it changes again and it's just a constant evolving thing. I mean, if if I kept a diary just from what we do at the track of what, what we thought was going to happen each week of this year, let alone last year, it was, you know, you would have thought we were changing, changing universes. There was so much, so much shifting and, and adjusting. But one of the big questions that I've been wondering since we started talking is, you know, we like, there's definitely a legacy of, of T-Town and, and how we attract people. And I know so often like from the countries like Australia, New Zealand, uh, Canada and stuff. There's there's a lot of like, oh, you have to go to Tea Town. You know, there's a lot of folklore behind it. And we do have a couple of South Africans that have come over on a pretty regular basis. But I was wondering specifically for you guys, like 2017, take me back there. What 
how did you guys hear about or find out about and decide like, you know what, let's go give T-Town a shot. Was it somebody? Was it just looking at the UCI calendar? What, what kind of tipped it over to come to, you know, basically a cornfield in Pennsylvania and ride a velodrome? Um, that actually started probably when I was a junior. Um, JP Van Sale mentioned it. Um, I know JP. Oh, there's there's a there's a name I remember. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I have to I have to jump in here. So so I remember JP because I knew him when I was like 13, 14 years old. So he was one of the people in the summers that would shape my young mind. So let that marinate with you if you know him for how terrifying that may be and then you know probably around 15 16 he stopped when I was that age he stopped coming to to t-town and every now and then you know you'd you'd think about oh like I wonder what JP is up to etc cetera, etc cetera. and then like this is one of the cool things about track cycling right because you just never know when you're gonna bump into someone that you know in the most random places. And I guess this wasn't the most random thing, but it was definitely unexpected on my end. So I was at the 2012 Olympics with Jusain Phillip from Trinidad acting as a, you know, mechanic slash coach for him. And for whatever reason, we wind up next to the South African pit. And I think Bernard was the guy that was there yeah, for that one. Yep. Yeah. And out of nowhere, I just hear this lackey. And like, it's not uncommon for me to hear that in a track inside a track. So I was like, who the hell? And I turn around and there's JP and I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like, what are the, what are the odds that you get pinned? So we just wound up swapping stories and laughing and all this sort of stuff. And it was like, you know, five days of just seeing him and catching up after 10 years or more of not seeing him. And then, poof, it's all gone again, right? And I could wind up seeing them again somewhere random. I'm sure the same thing would happen. But sorry, you, you, you just brought up that name, and I, I thought of so many stories <laughs> jumped to the front of them, none of which can be shared here on on, on a public podcast. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. So 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 anyway, back back to you as a junior and, and him shaping your mind talking about this town. <laughs> So yeah, JP JP mentioned it after his racing career. Kind of, I was also junior, heading into under twenty three, and I never really thought of it because I had because I had a road focus, and, and again, not with the endurance stuff. And everyone's always a case of go to Belgium, go to Belgium. Now I'm like, it's stupid. Just go to America, even if you're a road rider, because of just because of the the, the design of racing and the way that the community is structured in the sport. But yeah, JP JP mentioned it, and then. Um, Anyway, long story, 2016, um, after Worlds, so again, like you say, you kind of bump into people in random places. Bridget's husband bumped into Kurt Bigerman, and they, they trained together when Kurt was living in Zimbabwe. And uh, we kind of, Sean introduced myself to Kurt, and we were chatting, and then Kurt actually invited me over in 2016. Um, as Bridge said, I had surgery in 2016, so I couldn't go, and then we kind of just organized it for 2017. Um, that surgery was quite a quite a situation, but the last the, or the main reason why I had surgery was because I sneezed and my shoulder fell out of its socket. It had become that bad cool. that it was like, okay, that's it. Like there, there is no other thing. You have to get the surgery, and you have to have it now. Um, and that that was two weeks before we were supposed to leave for Tikal. So it's cool. just. Kind of a side note. <laughs>
Um, but yeah, Kurt, Kurt introduced us, um, and that was kind of history. It just we fell in love with the place straight away. Well, it is definitely a place that I mean, I personally, I grew up there, so I'm biased. But you know, I've I've always loved T Town and and everything about it. But you know, the the next follow up question. So I'm I'm glad you guys found us and and got hooked. Is definitely one of those places. You know, in a certain extent, Joan is. Joan is like the track cycling drug dealer, right? Like, like once she gets you in and, and you get a taste of it, you're like, Oh, I'm coming back. Right. So like, we have a, like we have a product that creates return customers. Um, and that's definitely fan fantastic. Uh, but so like you guys came 2017, right? 2018 was a pretty wild year for the track. Cause we were going through a lot of changes. Joan came on end of, 2018 and then you know i came on in a more full full-time type basis and you know up to 2019 i was wondering if you guys could share from your perspective because you know we have a lot of long-time legacy people here locally and uh, visited for decades so we get a lot of comparisons but you guys came during three very unique and three very different years and i was wondering if you guys could share some of what you know you liked dislike changes you noticed um you know from your guys visiting athlete perspective and kind of what you think of us now and and how we go about things if you guys would be willing to share that i think uh i think what's cool about this was one is we can actually give it from both sides here from our artist perspective and from a management perspective um but from our artist perspective 2017 was uh I know I was in the deep end, but it was rather serious. You know, it was like riders need to know their place and just ride and be over and done with. Um, whereas 2018, I know obviously was chaotic for you guys. Um, but for me as a rider, something just clicked in T-Town that year. And I started just going faster and faster and faster. And I enjoyed the racing a lot more. But it was a lot more chilled um, for us. And at the same time, it was, you knew, you knew that, it, what to expect, you know, it wasn't a case of there was highs and lows or different, you know, different, not, I might say rules or different organization. It was like, this is what we've got. This is our template. Please stick to it. So we knew as riders exactly what to expect, exactly where to go, how to do it. And that, that just for me, like, because of my OCD, um, just makes life easy. You know, I, I, I just clockwork. It's easy. That's it. It's done. Um, and then 2019, I know for Andy, it was chaotic, especially with his screen that broke. <laughs> um, but for for us, for me as a rider, it, that was something special. The, to see the organization of T-Town have to deal with 55 male sprinters, and I think it was 48 female sprinters, plus three rounds of qualifying for an Omnium um, for the men and two rounds of qualifying for the women. It's like... That, that that takes some serious doing just to just to make that flow and for us it, it flew it flew by and it, it just worked you know yes the kieran had extra rounds of extra rounds that if you get to the end of the day and you've had eight kieran's instead of four it kind of it it, it made a difference but at the same time for us as a rider i was loving that because it was like every racing opportunity i could get i would take we could you know yes the kieran is is a short race and is one sprint, but for eight Kirans in a day, it's priceless to, to be in eight, in eight situations where, yes, your life is hanging on a thread and the guy next to you is leaning on you where the other one is trying to hold you up and stuff like that. But you're not going to get that anywhere else in the world. 
And I think that's what 2019 was so beautiful. Um, even in the pro-am racing, I remember standing on the side of the track waiting for, um, I think it was Casey, waiting for Casey to go, okay, guys, you can get on the track. And everybody literally running onto the track to make sure that they can actually get a spot in a pro-am race. You know, where in the world are you going to get silly little situations like that that creates camaraderie, that creates relationships and friendships um, between riders and, and federations that last and actually take us through to, through, through to, for example, World Cups, Nations Cups, and it just it just makes things that much more lasting. Um, I think, like, I had a good giggle at, at one of the South Africans that were there as an endurance rider. He had a GoPro on for his for one of the pro-am races. And we came off the track and he was like in shock that four, that as he moved out of the sprinter's lane, four sprinters dove down the inside. Um, and he came off the track, he's like, I don't understand. That's racing. That is what T-Town offers, is those little funny situations where you generally catch yourself in unless you're racing at the world at the top world level. But Teton allows you to have that in a pro-am race that is not serious, but you're learning something that you're going to use in the near future. Um, so from a rider's perspective, yes, each year has been different. But for me personally, it's just kind of one layer of the cake to the next layer of the cake to the next layer of the cake. It's just gotten better and better. Right on. I like that. <laughs> so... So I'll tell you, I mean, listen, there's, there's no better way, at least for me, I, I think I'm speaking for Joan too, that to, to butter up a race promoter and director than to go like, you know, it was seamless. Like that was the smoothest event. We had all the information we needed. And it's like, you know, that's something that we strive for across the board. And, and yes, if you know me and you know, the quantity of gray hair, I had say 2018 versus 2019 at the end. Um, it definitely was not a stress-free summer. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you that, but not. you know, <laughs> I, mean, I remember seeing a clipboard I, go flying. It, oh. that, that has happened. That has happened from time <laughs> to time. Um, you know, there's, there's also my signature look when I get asked one of those questions that's in the tech guide of just like, <laughs> you gotta be kidding. Yeah, I got one of those. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I felt the wrath of that, of that, of that look. <laughs> So, so I, I, I'll, I'll say this. I've definitely calmed down a lot in, in, in the last, in 2020, 2020 was a very calming year for me in a lot of ways. But what, what, what I really wanted to say about, you know, like how you guys perceive 2019 and stuff like, yeah, okay. I, I, you know, there's a lot of design and there's a lot of work that goes into it, but hands down, that is a testament to Joan, right? Like we, we took on a huge, a huge block of racing and you know I my job I got to focus on just the stuff that I was really good at right and Joan put a team in place to focus on all the other stuff that each one of those people is really good at and it's nice to feel so in control and and have the freedom to do you know to 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 not set a field limit for Kieran at 36 and say no you know what we'll let 80 people ride a Kieran and I'll change the schedule and I'll do it. And we'll just make it, make it happen. And to know that, you know, my boss has my back to do that craziness. And, and also that, you know, she's put a team in place to allow us the, the ability to do it right. To, yeah, I'm not chasing down extra medical staff or the officials or, you know, volunteers and, 
you know, that everything's just lined up and in place. So, you know, honestly, my biggest regret about not getting 2020 off the ground is I was like, oh, this is going to be so much easier this year. Like, we this is going to be. <laughs> we were yeah, ready. <laughs> yeah. We, and, and what's funny is we, we rolled right off what was the end of our, you know, quote unquote season in, in the end of August, September with our final time trial day. And I think that very next Monday, Joan and I were sitting down and going, all right, what's 2021 look like? What's the race schedules look like? When's UCI? You know, so we've been so hard at work because, yeah, we do keep making things more complex, but also more seamless. Right. And I'm super excited for for this year in in that respect. But uh, no, that thank you. That's definitely the most tremendous compliment that that I know I can get is to hear that. Wow. That event was. Yeah, we loved everything. A hundred percent. I mean, I I mentioned before my background came from cyclocross, right? And I ran a national cyclocross series here. So we ran events across the country, uh, all UCI, C1, cyclocross. I ran the world championships in Louisville um, for cyclocross. And one of the things that was the most important to me as the event director was that when you showed up at my U.S. Grand Prix of cyclocross, whether it was in New Jersey or Colorado or Oregon or Kentucky, Wisconsin, that you had that experience that you just described, Jean. So that's like, like, that is like, that's my gold medal is that, you know, when you said you showed up and you knew what to do and you knew there was a template in place and you knew that the experience was going to be X, um, that's exactly what the goal is here. And that, that's the, you want to guarantee a quality level of experience that's consistent. And so to hear you say it out loud just warms the, the cockles of my cold dead heart, because that's really the, 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 the whole thing that I strive to achieve here is like Andy said, it's like, I, I play quarterback and I throw the ball to the members of the team that need to catch. Right. And I'm super lucky that every time I throw the ball, the team, the team catches. And, uh, and it's, it's so nice to hear that, that it translated to your experience. So thank you. Um, and I can tell you, you know, uh, 2021, you know, we've, we've done, we took things that we learned in 19, we were ready to implement in 20, which we obviously didn't get to do. Um, but, you know, 2019 taught us uh, some things uh, about process here, things like timing and scoring and electronic timing and, and just learning, learning, uh, learning stuff uh, on that front that I think will translate to an even better experience uh, for you the next time you're here at T-Town. You know, now, now you can get live, live race results on your phone as you race instead of, you know, and COVID taught us that too, right? That was a COVID driver. We had to adjust just like you had to adjust in COVID times. You know, we ran racing last summer, but only time trials. Um, Well, what do you really need for time trials? You need, you need, you know, timed results. But you also had to be touch free. We couldn't have people gathered around pieces of paper. So we changed our whole timing and scoring system because of COVID. Um, but that's going to translate to a really great evolution for regular racing when it starts back up here. Um, so we try to evolve and we try to adapt just like you guys have. And, uh, and I share, by the way, your OCD. So, um, <laughs> so I appreciate that comment. I was like, oh yeah, he's one of me. He's like, he's like Andy and I are both reasonably high functioning anxiety people with OCD. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> so I'm glad we're not alone. <laughs> um, and with that said, I guess, 
you know, 2021, you're on a path. Uh, are we going to see you here in 22? Uh, is the is the big question. You, you're going to come back? Absolutely love to be there in 2022. Um, if we can get the funding to do so. Um, I said it, 2022 is pretty difficult as well, to be honest. Um, Bridget and I were actually discussing it the other day. Um, we have Commonwealth Games also in July. Um, I don't, I'm assuming that T-Town is going to go back to June um, just because we like it in June. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but um, we have we have Commonwealth Games in July in London. Um, well, it's Birmingham, but the track's in London. Um, so that, that kind of does pose a little bit of a challenge for all the riders from the Commonwealth countries. Um, at the same time, my contract here with the centre is only until the Olympic Games. So I might actually just come and do my prep for Com Games in Pitan. Um And then there's still obviously 23, 24. Uh, I don't know when, but there's there's a challenge that I really want to do um, within the T-Town system. So in 2018, Gabe challenged me to see how many laps I could race. So I basically raced every single UCI race I could and every Pro-Am race possible. I can't remember exact count of laps, but it was over 600 laps that I raced in the four weeks that I was there. Um, it sounds silly, but I'd like to do that over a whole T-Town season just to see how many laps I can get out of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, we still have normal racing and all the rest of it, obviously funding dependent, um, to be brutally honest with you, if and when, if there's funding, we'll race. If there's no funding, um, I'll have to hang up my bike. So we'll see what, what, uh, what the future holds for us. Well, we certainly hope that that is not the case because um, we'd love to see you back here and I will tell you, because of some of the innovations that Andy has made to the Saturday schedules, there is an opportunity now for you to get extra laps. You can race Tuesdays, you can race Fridays, and then every now and then you could also race on Saturdays and even try to set track records. So there is a lot more laps to be had if you stay the summer. So just saying, you could put that that record so so far out of reach that uh, nobody will ever catch it. So there's, there's a challenge. Uh, Gabe, Gabe made a challenge in 18. I'm up in it. There we go. We'll take it off. <laughs> that escalated quickly. <laughs> well, you said, you know, you said you could wind Andy up. Uh, so I'm doing my best to wind you up. Now. <laughs> we can go. We can go. I, look, honestly, I, I love riding bikes so much. and My passion for the sport is just to get people on bikes and to ride as much as possible. Um, for me, if I can race every weekend, I would. The, the thing being a, being an endurance rider or coming from endurance to sprint, the, the biggest difference for me has been the lack of riding. It, it's kind of, it, some days it does my nuts, like I go crazy because I'd love to spend five, six hours a day on my bike that I'm kind of sitting on my bum between sets. It's a bit weird. I hear that. Andy, how do you manage that? And, you know, Andy's uh, staging a comeback, right? Everybody that Andy is... Andy, yeah. I've heard, I've heard he's quite dangerous. I don't know if I want to race. <laughs> Listen, you can't look at that video from, from 16 years ago. It's irrelevant now. I'm a not new the person. Same Andy. Um, <laughs> no, not the same Andy. Uh, you know, like, I, Andy? I mean, I, I, I fill my time with all the work for the track, right? Like, I'm doing this, you know, till we get off the phone here. Then I'm straight into a couple more emails, a couple more tech guides to work out. Then I'll 
hop in the car, bags are already packed, head to the track, do the track, come back from the track and um, dig right back into it till dinner. And then, you know, it's just, it's just a repeating thing like that. But I absolutely love it because every day I, I feel like we're getting closer to, you know, something really great and we're being more creative and I'm sitting there going, Oh, everybody's going to love this. Then reality hits that not everybody's going to love everything that I have planned, but, and I will hear about it. I will hear about it in spades, but uh, you know, it's, it's the compliments from the athletes like you, uh, the team managers and stuff that, you know, are just like, Hey, you know, that was, that was awesome. That was unheard of. That was, you know, something we couldn't get anywhere else. So, so thank you. You know, that's definitely goes a huge way with with us for the the value in doing this because as you guys can attest to you know there is not a lot of money in cycling let alone track cycling uh so we you know we do this for the love of it across the board and it's nice to share that love and that appreciation with other other people so thank you as as always um on that note i think we've kept you a very long time Um, And I think before we wrap up, just for for the listeners, and again, I I mentioned it earlier and put it in the show notes, but for anybody who's listening who wants to contribute, how can they help you? Uh, Let us, this is your, this is your moment, plug, how can, how can people help you who are listening? Uh, We've got a website set up that's linked to PayPal. So there's, there's a donate um, button on PayPal, and then it comes through and, uh, They'll get a notification from us and a thanks from us. And um, and the website is? Uh, it's www. Now I'm going to do a blank. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Inside the track. <laughs> Inside the track center. I will send it to you. <laughs> I've only recently launched it. So sorry. It's still, still, no still trying to remember it people want to follow you on social media to, to follow this journey that you're on, John, in particular, what's your social media handles for our listeners? Uh, they can follow in, along. Instagram is John.Spice or Facebook, John Spice track cyclist. And then on Twitter as well, John Spice. So pretty straightforward. Very, very good. Everybody follow along uh, with the scrappy adventures of this uh, dynamic duo as they, they head to Tokyo. Uh, and we will hope to see you here in 2022 uh, with uh, with some renewed energy and hopefully renewed funding. Um, and thank you so much for coming on the Talk of the T-Town podcast. Uh, we'd love to have you back. We can talk to you, you know, further along the pathway this season. If you'd like, just pop back in for a follow up. But we'd love to we'd love to follow along with your journey. So thank you again for joining us. Um, and this has been the Talk of the T-Town podcast with me, Joan Hanscom, and my co-host, Andy Lakatosh. Uh, follow us wherever you consume your podcast. Give us a like, subscribe, uh, leave a nice rating if you like what you're hearing. It all helps us grow. And uh, we will be back next week. Thank you. This has been the Talk of the T-Town podcast with hosts Joan Hanscom and Andy Lakatosh. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode brought to you by B. Braun Medical Inc. Head on over to our website, thevelodrome.com, where you can check out the show notes and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode.